Welcome to episode four of the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Maas. This week, I wanted to try a little different format instead of the interviews that I've done in the first three episodes that were sort of one-on-one with someone in a studio and a full recording. I wanted to head out to an event and get some audio out on the street. So that's what I did. Took some of my gear and went down to Northwest Flanders Street in downtown Portland where I wanted to take a closer look at a rally and protest that was going on between youth climate activists uh, organized by Sunrise Movement PDX, so the Portland chapter of the National Sunrise Movement, um, and also some organizing from some help from No More Freeways, which is a group that's fighting uh, freeways, as the name would suggest. Actually, this was the second time I've been down to this ODOT youth uh, strike, they call it. Actually, now they're calling it Youth versus ODOT. Uh, I was there back in June uh, to listen to what these teen activists were saying and to take a closer look at this rally that is happening right on the steps of ODOT's Region 1 headquarters. So right on the sidewalk in front of the front door to ODOT's uh, headquarters, and that's the Oregon Department of Transportation Uh, right in downtown Portland. I've been really impressed with these teen activists. They are very organized, and they've got a very explicit set of demands for ODOT. They want them to, among other things, put a moratorium on freeway expansions uh, across the state. They want them to uh, do more environmental analysis on the I-5 Rose Quarter project. Uh, Those are just a few of their demands. Um, I went down there yesterday because they were going to do something a little bit different. They were trying to attach some of the deaths from the recent heat wave we've had in Oregon, uh, sort of tie those directly uh, to ODOT's uh, actions, or I should say inactions, uh, in the way that they are making decisions around uh, transportation funding and policy and projects. So I went down and I talked to a few people in the crowd. The first uh, person that you'll hear in this episode, her name is Ada Crandall. She's 15 years old. I've uh, featured her in the past uh, on the site, uh, and I'm just really impressed with her organizing and leadership. Let's hear what she had to say as I caught up to her again. Uh, I am Ada Crandall, and I'm here with organizers from Sunrise Movement um, and other people as part of a campaign called Youth vs. ODOT. Um, It's organized by Sunrise, but it's not specifically a Sunrise action. Cool, and I talked to you probably, I don't know, a month and a half ago or ago or so. Um, and I'm just curious if you could tell me, like, you know, or summarize kind of what's happened since then on this issue. I mean, the people that, that read Bike Portland kind of have some background on what's going on with the project and all that, but how have you felt about the pace or has there been any changes or kind of get me up to speed in terms of from last time we talked? Yeah, so we've definitely had more people showing up since the last time, um, which is really awesome to see that like the support for this is growing. Um, and then in terms of like campaign updates, one of the demands, uh, which was for Governor Brown to veto House Bill 3055, she ended up signing it, um, which is really frustrating, especially because she ran her campaign off of the idea that she was going to like be a climate leader and fight for the youth. And then she went and signed this bill that is giving ODOT a blank check, essentially, to continue expanding freeways. And she did that after you you were a part of a group that went down to the governor's mansion yes. in Salem, right? Yes, and that was we, one of the main focuses of that action, right? Yeah, we did an action outside of her house that was specifically centered around trying to get her to veto that bill. Um, and then in the press statements, she 
essentially she released a statement that was like, yeah, she supports the work that these young people are doing and shares their urgency, which is just so frustrating because if she really shared our urgency and wanted to fight for climate justice, then she would have vetoed the bill like we asked her to. Why do you think she signed it? What do you think is going through someone like Governor Kate Brown's mind who is ostensibly committed to these issues, at least rhetorically and in the New York Times, right, when, you, when we see her on there? Why do you, what do you think is going through her mind when she you know, promotes, signs that bill and promotes, keeps promoting the status quo? I think it's really easy for politicians to make themselves look like they are leaders on climate um, and they like to say those things and then when it's time to follow through with actual action, um, they just don't. And I think especially with this bill, because it's not something that to most people is really apparently about climate change, um, it's easier for her to sort of sneak away with that. Um, mm. And, you know, one of the goals of this is to really, like, make make people know that Governor Brown isn't the climate leader she says she was, um, because if she was, then she wouldn't have signed this bill. And so I think with some of the bigger legislation, like, there was a lot of clean energy stuff that she signed. Um, it's interesting because, you know, like, she posted all over social media, like, she's signing these bills. Um, but then with 3055, the freeway slush fund, like, she didn't say anything. And yep. that's not on accident. Like, she wants to post the things that will make her look good and make the public like her and not the things that are going to make people angry. Right. And so, like, how much leeway do you, how, are you able to forgive her for not making that connection between climate change and, you know, transportation? And, like, I think the focus of today's action is these deaths from the heat wave, right? So. I feel like maybe, and you're probably aware of this, right? There's this blind spot, or they're not making this connection. People like Governor Brown, they like they yeah. say they care about climate, they're not making a connection freeway. But you're, is that part of your effort here to try to make that connection more clearly, right? I mean, you did say you're focusing on heat wave deaths, and as someone who reads a lot of the regional and local news, no one's really making that connection between heat wave deaths and wider freeways. Yeah, so I definitely don't blame the public for not understanding that connection because it's intentionally hidden from us because that's a strategy of the status quo to continue that. Um, but Governor Brown, I, yeah, I absolutely would blame her for not, it's not even, it's not that she doesn't make that connection. Like she absolutely understands that. Like we made it very clear, like I said, like sent over 50 postcards and we left her voicemails and emails and hundreds of people contacted her about this. Um, if she doesn't realize by now that freeway expansion is bad for climate, then she's not doing her job. Um, and so it's not so much a matter of her not making that connection, it's that she is making that connection and realizing that the public doesn't make that connection and therefore it's something she can get away with. And when you say furthering the status quo, what, what is that? What, just to be clear with people that, that may be sort of new to this issue or don't think about it as much as, as you do, what, what is the status quo, like in terms of Governor Brown and transportation? Yeah, so the system that we're living in is broken. Um, and it's this constant mindset that profit is more valuable than people and more valuable than us having a livable future. And there are just so many things going on with this freeway fight that make it so that it, it's just for politicians like there there's this constant sort of greed and like wanting to of, like desire for self-preservation of like what can i do that will make me look good instead of what can i do that is actually serving the people that i am supposed to serve and so right now the status quo is 
the value of freeway expansion and therefore profit for these corporations rather than people's lives. And do you ever stop to think that there's, there are Ada Crandall's and Melina Ewins and, my, and, other, and other of the activists, there are those counterparts telling her, we want wider freeways, we want more cars, we want more tires to be sold, oil to be sold. Do you ever think about that? And maybe she's listening to them, right? And not, not as much listening to you as much. Yeah, I'm sure there are, which is especially frustrating for someone like Governor Brown, who ran this campaign off of fighting for the youth, and now she's not listening to the youth. And yeah, it's just, it feels like they have a decision to make, and there's two very clear sides. One side that is youth with all of this moral authority who are fighting for our futures, and the other side is corporations saying we need more money. And it seems like that choice should be really clear. Um, and it's just so frustrating that that isn't clear to her. And so wait, you're telling me there's no, uh, there's no youth at your school that is for wider freeways and uh, supporting Governor Brown uh, pushing through HB 3055? You mean there's no group that's supporting her that's your age? I don't think my age, <laughs> at least not that understands that right. freeway expansion is directly contributing and, to a climate crisis that has already taken people's lives in our state. Right, and, and back to this action in particular, this is like the ninth time you've been out here. What is, what's your focus this time and, and sort of what's the future of this action? Yeah, so this week we're focusing on honoring those who died in the heat wave last month um, because people, like I said, don't always make that connection between ODOT um, and transportation and freeways and climate change. And so we're really trying to drive in the point that these deaths, these 116 people who died, like that's on ODOT. Like 40% of our state's carbon emissions come from transportation, that's ODOT. And they don't want people to make that connection. They don't want to, they don't want people to realize that they are responsible for this. People don't think of ODOT as a villain in the climate crisis. And they're intentionally hiding that and it's our job to expose them. Great. Thanks, Ada. Appreciate it. Good yeah. luck. Thank you so much. And the next voice you'll hear from is someone named uh, Evan, another person I talked to. Now, Evan wasn't one of the, the youth activists. I wanted to he hear from someone that was just there to support them. So he's a little bit older. I didn't ask him how old, but uh, here's what he had to say. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, what, what brought you out today? Why are you here? Um, you recording? I'm with Bike Portland, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. What's your name? Jonathan. What's your name, Hi, Jonathan. by the way? I'm Evan, yeah. Yeah, what brought me out today was thinking about um, more broadly the crisis that um, I see us in, and um, that is that uh, I'm really concerned about the well-being of um, those living on this planet, and so um, I'm looking at many small and large ways to uh, awaken well, to that crisis, and um, one of those ways is to come here and support the um, youth vs. ODOT campaign to stop um, the enlarging of the freeways in Portland. What do you think ODOT should do different, could do different to be a better uh, steward of the climate change fight? Well, I think the, the most immediate thing would be to send someone to every single one of these and to talk and listen and, and at the very least have a very active engagement in hearing the concerns and then describing the current process that may make those concerns unable to be changed by the system. So I think that there is a system that stops these things from being able to be done. Um, and that system does need to be changed and, and maybe fully dismantled. However, the lack of explaining that and bringing that into integration with the 
demands and what people are wanting, I think is a very easy first place. Like whoever is the spokesperson for ODOT or something, come for two hours once once every two weeks and, and, and be, willing, be, be willing to speak with people and talk with them and um, hear, hear their concerns and, and, and be a liaison back and forth between the uh, internal ODOT organization and, and whatever's going on um, from their perspective and what's going on here. So at the very least, sort of listen, engage, at the hear, very hear least, it. start there, yes. It doesn't mean that if we solve it today, it's not going to affect us in 20 years. But if we don't solve it today, it's going to just be further worse in the future. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned about that, and that's what brings me out here today. Cool. Thank you. And then I had the microphone on Robin Sack, another 15-year-old uh, who was one of the leaders of the event. She was speaking in front of the crowd, so sorry that the audio is a little bit quiet, so you might want to turn up your, your uh, speakers a little bit here. Um, but she was sharing a very personal story, and I wanted to hear what she had to say as well. My name's Robin Sack. I'm going to be a sophomore at Grant next year. I'm 15 years old. So back during the June heat wave, on the day it reached 116 degrees, I didn't leave my house until 11 p.m. at night. I stayed inside all day. And when I finally left my house, it was still 85 degrees outside, even though it was almost midnight. And I was supposed to be going on a walk, and I was walking, but I could barely register that. All my mind could think about was that it was so hot, and it felt like it was trapping me, and I didn't know why it was, I didn't know why it was like that, but it was just encompassing me, and I just wanted it to stop. And that's coming from a person who was able to stay inside the whole day with air conditioning and water and other resources. And I could barely hold back the tears that I had been holding off the whole day before that. And when I finally got home, I just couldn't anymore. And I sobbed in my kitchen as my parents told me, it will be okay, it will get better. And I heard myself saying back, you don't understand, this is not your future. And they don't understand. They are not a 15-year-old growing up in the middle of a climate crisis, seeing their world burn before their eyes. They are not growing up in a world where they have to strike outside of an ODOT building every other Wednesday to show them that our futures matter, that we have lives that we want to grow up into without having to worry about over 110 degree weather and people dying on the streets. We don't want to have to worry about that. They don't understand. ODOT doesn't understand either, because if they did, they would be out here with us. They wouldn't be running away in their cars. They would be talking to us. They would be talking to their community. They would be talking to Tubman students and asking what they want. They would dress all their lies and their bullshit, and they would hold themselves accountable. They wouldn't be, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing right now, and that's part of the reason why we're here. We're here to show them that while they don't understand, we are going to make them because there's no other way. We can't keep living like nothing is happening. We have to take action. And thank y'all for being here. We're doing that right now. <laughs> and Oda, you better be listening because we will not leave. We are going to keep coming back. We are going to keep drawing sidewalk chalk on your sad little sidewalks until you listen to us because this is our future. We are here telling you that a freeway is not the answer in the middle of a climate crisis, it is continuing decades of deeply racist actions, it is increasing carbon emissions, it is putting youth at risk, and it is not going to lessen congestion. Just a heads up. 
Um, and so we are going to keep showing up for ourselves and our future, even though the majority of us aren't licensed drivers, even though the majority of us are high schoolers, and it's summer and a lot of us are busy as fuck, and even so, we are showing up. And so we are going to continue showing up for those who are still here, those who are lost, and everyone to come. So say hello to a lot more Sidewalk Talk ODOT because we are not going anywhere. And then the group read aloud the over 100 people's names uh, who had died in the Oregon heat wave, and then after that, they took a moment of silence. Donald McKay, Ashlyn Maddox, Alfredo Monongan, Kelly Mather, Michael Merwin, Andrea Miller, H. Monkman, Michael Morecci, Heliodoro Navarro, Jerome Olison, Mary Olson, Cynthia O'Neill, Rose Pham, Kelly Slaughter, James Smiley, Charles Smith. So now we're going to take a moment of silence to honor the people who are lost during the heat wave. And at all these Sunrise uh, PDX events, there's singing to sort of like help build community. So here's a little bit about what that sounded like. Well, you sit with me just for a little while. I know there's a world we're fighting for. Will you grieve with me? Will you grieve with me? Will you grieve with me? with me will you fight with me will you fight with me just for a little while I know there's a world we're fighting for will you sing with me will you sing with me will you sing with me just for And the last person I talked to is an interesting up-and-coming politician in Oregon. This is Yamhill County Commissioner Casey Kula, who's recently launched a campaign uh, to be Oregon's next governor. I'm Casey Kula, I'm Yamhill County Commissioner, and I'm here to support the, the youth climate activists and to bring my son so that he has the opportunity to work with them. Uh, what do you hope that your son gets out of this? Uh, Wait, first of all, how old is he? Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he? he's 11. He wishes he was 12 so that he could get the vaccine. And um, he is—he's uh, a person who feels everything in the world. And sometimes that feeling, um, then those emotions go to I can't—I can't do anything. Like I don't have um, an option. I don't have any power. Um, I don't have any voice because I'm young. So seeing uh, young people here uh, who are the same height, which is really delightful, um, his hope was that he would be able to um, see some hope, right? Mm. Like, the, okay, there are people who are taking action whose voices are being heard, even if decision makers aren't doing the, exactly the things that they want. 
And I've often told him that it's really important to push, that like as a decision maker, I need to have the people pushing because there's always another side that's pushing back, even if it's just institutional inertia. Mm -hmm. So as a county commissioner, a lot of lessons here and, and, and a father, yes. you're hoping to uh, impact your, your son in terms of activism, but also give him a little bit of sort of the things that you deal with at work all the time. Absolutely. Yeah, I want him to be the one pushing because I, he should be pushing me and he should be pushing decision makers. What about the issue? It's, well, yeah. What about the issue itself? Anything that you want to say about sort of like the either either or or does your son think about you know climate change as it relates to transportation? I Meaning we are in front of an ODOT building. Yeah. Um, is there something you want to say regarding the issue that we're here for? Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know uh, my view of it is that uh, the governor has said take climate action to her state agencies, and one of them that I see not taking climate action seriously. And whether that's an institutional inertia or culture or just not, we don't see it maybe. Um, I don't see ODOT really doing that aggressive climate action. Um, and it, it's, it could be aggressive climate action by simply starting the process of congestion pricing rather than tolling. And I think that's a really simple way to, to see how we can um, reduce the need for our own uh, freeway system and reduce it so that there's certainty. Like I was trying to explain to Rusty, our son, that. Um, a lot of transportation infrastructure is about certainty and safety, and that's at least that's how we think of it. Um, and congestion pricing is a good way to put certainty into the system while still reducing our overall carbon footprint. Yeah. What do you What do you feel seeing uh, these young people here? What for you as an elected, as somebody who is also running for governor? I should right, add. right, right. Um, what What do you feel just seeing you know high schoolers out being so organized and getting so active around an issue? It's super exciting. I mean, I look forward to them pushing me at Mahonia, right? <laughs> just like they did for Governor Brown. Um, but uh, to be fair, there's three people among the 30, 25, 30 who are from Yamhill County. So. Rock hey, it on, right? Uh, right. Okay. But it's really important to have that push because otherwise you only have the push from the other side. Voices are credible, right? They are literally our future. And when I listen to, to young people across Oregon, they tell me the two things that they are most concerned about that they feel are existential crises are racial equity and climate. Is there something you would have done different than Governor Brown in these last few months in regards to some of these transportation issues? The, the activists here specifically were hoping that she would veto, veto mm -hmm. HB 3055. Would you have vetoed HB 3055? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, it's, uh, it's easy to cast stones, and so I'm always careful. And that does, you know, nuance is not something that we should, that uh, politicians try to, try to, you know, use. But I, I am about the nuance. But in this case, um, I would have been pushing ODOT to focus more on to uh, tolling as a congestion tool rather than tolling as a revenue tool. And that'll do it for this episode of the Bike Portland podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving a review and, of course, tell all your friends about it and make sure you subscribe as well. And don't forget that Bike Portland is supported by listeners just like you, so please subscribe if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.